This Kendra is where they make their mark. This is the time where you've got to turn the table. You've got to take advantage and ride this wave in this momentum. Look out! Welcome to the Match Preview Podcast. Callum Williams, as always, alongside former golfer soccer star Kindred D. St. Aubin. Later on in the show, we'll be joined by the Minnesota United soccer legend Manny Lagos to talk all things United States men's national team, Minnesota United, and of course, history involving the club as well. First and foremost, though, Kindred, let's uh, rewind things a few days, shall we? And go back to the nil-nil draw away at AFC Dallas. Um, lots has been made of of what happened, what didn't happen. But after we've had a few days to, to digest what we saw, what are your thoughts now when I mentioned nil-nil away at FC Dallas? So basically, I think that if, if you said before the match that you were going to get one point on the road against a Western Conference opponent, you would feel good about that. But when you look at where FC Dallas is in the standings and you look at the season that they've had and firing their head coach, I felt like it was two points lost. If you were going to win against a Western Conference opponent on the road in the stretch that they have left on the season, this would have been the time. This would have been the moment. And you had your full complement of players, which we know Minnesota United clearly better when everyone is healthy and fit. So I kind of felt disappointed that they didn't get the three points on the road against FC Dallas. Um, but then when you have the Renosa red card to wrap up the game, you're kind of feeling like, that kind of takes over your mindset. And what does this mean going forward? And the, that was the 80th something minute. And they, they started to get some life about them from an attacking perspective. So um, I was disappointed that they didn't get the three. I thought this was a missed opportunity against a Western conference opponent who has a lot of talent, but hasn't been able to get it together. And this was, uh, this was the time to kind of get those points on the road in a meaningful game. I think both sides um, will probably have similar feelings. FC Dallas, I thought in the first half, K had had multiple opportunities, which Tyler Miller was able to to get rid of and, and uh, swiftly pushed to one side. In the second half, Felipe Mejialaro, I, I thought was outstanding and made some really really good saves. That the, the one save that was that was quite unorthodox, but he still pulled it off magnificently. Was the one where he made a save. I can't remember who the shot came in from, but he made a save and it, it, the ball trickled over to the. To the right-hand side of, of the, almost to the corner of the six-yard box, Reynoso tried to flick it in with the outside of his left foot and, and sneak it into the far, into the near post. And Maggio Lauro just flung himself towards the ball and, and, and made a, a fabulous save. Um, it was really a, a tailor to goalkeepers, in my opinion, that particular evening. Um, not many of us will remember that game for... Um, it's quality in terms of taking chances in front of goal, but many of us will remember that game because of the two goalkeepers and their performances for sure. But many of us will remember that game because of um, quite possibly one of the most ridiculous red cards I think I've ever seen in my life up until the day after when Lucas Estevez was sent off for Colorado against Seattle. We don't need to get into that um, because that's also been rescinded as well, quite rightly so. Um, we, we know that the Reynoso red card has been rescinded. We're recording this on Friday morning. So now we're seeing that the news that, that Reynoso will be available for Colorado, which is great. And we'll get to that later on. But but in terms of the red card, Kay, just absolutely unbelievable decision. I, I couldn't believe it. I was stunned. You know, and I think what the even crazier part to me was, is that it was that it they went back and looked at it and reversed it. Because even if they, had, let's say they had called it in real time, that they had called at least a foul, let's say, not even just a red card, but a foul. And then they had said, hey, maybe you should go look at this, you know, and, and take a look at, and see if it was worthy of a card. But the fact that it went 
completely uncalled in the match, rightfully so. You have a player in the attacking third of the field that's making an offensive move towards the ball, and you have a defender that is slide tackling with his studs, maybe not showing, but he's the one going to ground sort of out of control. And you have the attacking player going to make a touch around to get it back onto his more favorite foot, which is his left foot. And has no other choice as he's in the motion of trying to get to the ball first. The other guy gets a toenail on it and he ends up stepping on his foot. To me, that is a no call, if anything, or, you know, uh, maybe even a foul from the, the defensive player coming in with a slide tackle in that moment. Um, and, and it's an unfortunate situation at that time, because I do think there was some momentum there. I think fortunate in the sense that it happened in the 80th minute, if not the 20th minute. Um, and they would have been down a man for most of the match, but there was some momentum. There was some liveliness about the attack. There was, Renoso was buzzing. It was like, he got a second or third wind and almost there was a sense of urgency all of a sudden, um, in that final third. And you felt like maybe there was something in it for Minnesota, but yes, the wrong call. I think I go back and forth on this in the broadcast and I, and you know, part of me just mentally, I need to stick to my guns on what my opinion is, but I'm always trying to factor in what the, the language is that VAR pro goes by now. What Mm -hmm. is it that they are looking at to make that call and to make that decision, reverse that decision. And maybe is that why it was called a red, not just sticking to my opinion of like, do I think it was a red or not, which I didn't think it was a red, but I also felt like, I know how wonky the the language and the verbiage is in the rules now. And just like the head, the Hollingsworth was a Hollingsworth handball that was called reverse the goal that they scored. So I, I just think I'm trying to keep track of all the rule changes. And it was a silly call. I'm, I'm glad that Reynoso is playing um, on Sunday against Colorado. It's the perfect and the right solution and the right answer. It's just like the Colorado red being reversed as well. Yeah, the uh, the Hollingshead uh, handball was um, was an interesting one, which I think is is much more up for debate for sure. But ultimately, I, I think they probably got it right in the moment. I was I was questioning it. I wasn't sure, but I think ultimately, when when you get the benefit uh, the the benefit of of having a look at it several times, it's it's probably the right call. Um, but the red card, Kate, I, I don't even think it's a foul. I really don't. I mean, look, you 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 played in in terms of you must have had so many times where. The ball is there to be won. Two players go for it. Two players are stretching. You, you clip each other. There's so many times where you get, and I've used this this phrase several times, I'll continue to use it, you get black and blue toes because players step on each other. It's accidental. There's no intent there. There's no malice. It just happens. That particular play, in my opinion, will happen another 30 times in the remaining six games of this MLS season. It's just not a red card. And I, I don't know what we do here because... For me, there's got to be some sort of accountability here because it, it's ridiculous. It, 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 at that time, as you mentioned, Reynoso was buzzing, as you say, and it felt like there was one more chance for Minnesota. And as soon as the red card was was put out there, that that chance went away. Um, and I, I just uh, and get going going to the the Estevez red card for the Rapids as well. It's just it's ridiculous. And and the one worry I have now is are we starting to overcomplicate things? And if people are going by the language, well, then the language needs to change because it's just, it it is infuriating because neither Estevez or Reynoso should have been sent off this past weekend. They've looked at the tape several times, I'm sure, and they've realised that the wrong call was was made. So ultimately it's fine, but, but in my opinion, what a waste of everybody's time this has been. Like this didn't need to happen. It was never a red card. It should never be a red card. And fortunately now, as you mentioned, Reynoso is available for Sunday, which 
brings us on to the game against Colorado because myself and Steve were talking about this on the previous podcast on the Sound of the Loons. Um, and we were trying to rack our brains in terms of, right, so if Reynoso isn't available, who starts, who plays where and what have you. That's all now irrelevant because Reynoso starts. So the question I have for you now, Kendra, with still several absentees, you would assume Brent Coleman would come in and, and replace uh, Michael Boxall, who's on international duty. Coleman Metinier as well on international duty. He's away and unavailable. DJ Taylor, you would assume, would be the obvious replacement there. Um, Robin Lutz is the other one who usually starts for Minnesota United at centre-forward away with the Finland national team alongside Yuka Raitala. Um, what do Minnesota United do now then at the centre-forward position? Do they start with somebody like an Adrian Unu, or do we see Fernando Adi, Juan Agudelo being given an opportunity? It's a big game to give somebody an opportunity, but we've seen Adrian do this before. Yeah, I mean, if I was Adrian Heath, then I'm not, clearly, and I don't have, I'm not privy to any information of what he's going to do for this lineup um, this weekend. But if I had what I would choose, and if everybody that is here in Minnesota is fit and healthy and able to go, I would start Adrian Anu and I would throw Hassani Dotson back again. If he's fit and healthy and ready to go, which I have no idea if he is. I mean, there's been times where we've mm. seen him over the last two weeks training with the group, but then not in, in the team sheet. So we'd never know what the extenuating circumstances are. Right. So I would stick with your 4-2-3-1. I would put DJ Taylor at right back. I would put Brett Coleman at center back. And I would keep Ozzy Alonso and I would keep Will Trapp in the holding midfield position. And they've had a whole week to rest and recover. They're not doing it on short rest. It's not a quick turnaround. So Ozzy's got some time to regenerate and rest. He's a veteran. He knows exactly how to take care of his body. And so does Will Trapp. I would throw Hassani Dots in there in that like sort of number 10 role that Reynoso plays. And then he can also provide um, a, a threat from a scoring perspective because we know what he can do with, with a late run or, or being available on top of the 18 to strike it. And I would keep Ethan Finley and I would keep Fragapane and I would put Adrian Anu up top to start. Having Fernando Adi as an option, absolutely, for sure. Great. Awesome. You have, you know, Juana Guadello, if he's healthy and ready to go, also available and ready as an option from a scoring perspective. The pieces you're missing a little bit are some depth on the wings, but you have Nico Hansen hopefully back in the fold and available, which he's been on the bench the last couple of games, if you need to make a substitution there. That's what I would start with. Well, so Reynoso is available. So, so you're saying that you would go with Dotson, oh, Alonso, no, I'm sorry. and <laughs> Good thing you reminded me. <laughs> I, can't believe, I can't believe you kept such a straight face. Nobody's going to see this Zoom call. But no, I would put Renoso in there. And then I would, the, the other ones, I would say the same. But to me then is where is Hassani Dotson if he's healthy and fit and ready to go? Where does he step in? Does he step in then for Ozzy Alonso alongside Will Trapp? All week I've been mentally preparing for Madden Renoso right. not being available. Um, so I haven't flipped my brain back. And that's completely my bad. So I'm glad you pointed that out. So I didn't look like a total idiot when this thing went out. Well, it's good to know that what, what you would do if Reynoso wasn't available. So there we yes. go. We'll, we'll get it up that way, shall we? Uh, but Reynoso coming back, Kay, in all seriousness, is, is such uh, a positive for Minnesota United. He, he, he is the best player they have. He is a, a major difference maker. And they are just simply so much better without him. They'll be delighted that he's available on Sunday. Well, and going back to that, I mean, when you have Hassani, so now we really are talking about a late run on top of the box, right? We're talking about more as like that number eight role where he can come in late. Maybe there's a gap. Reynoso attracts so much attention. Fragapane can cut inside and attract attention. Ethan Finley kind of can switch up his runs. And we've seen that before with opposition, with other teams. And I'm not saying that, you know, Minnesota United lines up like Seattle does because they don't. But how many times have we seen Joao Paulo find that space 
20, 25 yards out, 18 on the 18, where he can make that late run and be a dangerous attacking piece and strike the ball cleanly on frame. Now, Jan Gregush, if he's healthy, is also another player that's available if Adrian Heath needed some more depth in that position because we don't know what you know the health of everyone is but um, or how everyone came out of even that Dallas game. So I think that when you have Asani central and not on the wing, not in the in a front three on the side, I think he can be a really valuable attacking threat going forward, which you don't get a lot from Will Trapp and Ozzy Alonso in that in that role when Reynoso's in there. Okay, before we head to break, we've got Manny Lagos waiting for us. Um, I've got to ask you, Kay, what, what do we expect from Colorado this coming Sunday? Because they, they went with a new formation in Seattle, which clearly didn't work. I know, again, they were unfortunate because Lucas Estevez was sent off. Uh, it looked like a, a 5-2-3. Uh, it looked like it was set up for, for a, a counter press. Are we expecting a similar approach from the Rapids on Sunday? Well, to be honest, I think the biggest issue is their goalkeeper. And I'm not blaming everything on Clint Irwin. It's his first game of the year. Um, but I do think Will Yarbrough is their first choice goalkeeper if he's available. I, I think he had some sort of an injury and an issue in the last match. But if you look at some of those goals, I mean, those are straight up goalkeeper errors. Um, so for me, it's about what can Minnesota United do to really stay in their shape and be dangerous in attacking positions. But I think Barrios has been really good for them. I think, um, you know, they're going to be without Acosta. They're going to be without Mark Anthony Kay. Mm. And, uh, I think their back line has been for the most. Well, um, we've got some issues with, uh, with Kendra's mic at the moment. Um, but look, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, I, I would also say that, I, I, in, in my opinion, I think Colorado are going to come into to Allianz Field and and I think they are going to be happy with a point because I think they ultimately are okay with where they are right now. Um, I, I don't think they necessarily need to force the issue. I don't think they need to... Um, I don't think they have any obligation to entertain. I think they're okay with where they are right now. So it wouldn't surprise me if they came in with a 5-2-3 again and it was set up for a counter-press... I wonder, um, would the front three be, um, you know, Shinyashiki? Would, would Mesquita be a part of that? Uh, would Dominic Badji, Jonathan Lewis be a part of it? They, they have options. The three centre-halves have been consistent this year as well uh, with Abubakar, Trusty, and, and Wilson. Uh, you would assume, again, William Yarbrough would, would come back in for them. But but I think, Kay, uh, in, in my opinion, they'll, they'll come to Minnesota. I think they'll frustrate. I think they'll be direct. I think they'll counter-press when the opportunity presents itself because ultimately right now it would take something really catastrophic for them to fall out of the top four. I think they know that and I think they're okay with being defensive-minded for the rest of the season, at least for the for the away games. And I think they're okay with situations like this where they, they can come to a stadium like Allianz Field and frustrate, um, be a little more direct and ultimately um, irritate the opponent. I think it's it's down to Minnesota United, obviously, um, for, for them to, to press, for, for them to play on the front foot because they know how important a victory is. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see uh, what happens with uh, that game on Sunday. We're having issues with Kendra. Never mind. Uh, we'll hear from her uh, over the course of the next few days. OK, so enough from me. Uh, next up, we'll hear from a proper Minnesota United soccer legend. Manny Lagas will join Kendra D. St. Aubin and myself to talk all things United States men's national team, the history that has glistened for so long in the state of Minnesota. And of course, Sunday's game against Colorado. That's next.
Minnesota United fans, save time every time when you use online check-in for a great haircut at Great Clips. Download our app or check in online at greatclips.com. Great Clips, it's going to be great. And a very warm welcome back to the Match Preview podcast. Callum Williams alongside Kendra D. St. Aubin, as always. Now, this segment is all about the future the present and even some history sprinkled in there as well. So whilst we're talking about Minnesota United in particular and the United States men's national team, we thought, well, there's nobody better really to bring onto the podcast than Manny Lagos. Manny, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You are the perfect guest for everything we're about to talk about. First and foremost, right, look, we, we want to talk about the 10-year anniversary of the Soccer Bowl Championship for sure. But before we do, big game for the United States men's national team last night. We're recording this on Friday morning. Uh, what were your initial thoughts over the, the 2-0 victory over Jamaica? I thought it was a really good game. I thought we played really well on both sides of the ball. I think we controlled the game, controlled the tempo. Um, you know, I, I thought... It was a really balanced performance uh, in a game, a must-win game, and it felt like the most of the game the U.S. was going to win. So it was, it was very positive. Um, some good performances individually, collectively. I mean, the easy one is 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 the train Pepe, I and mean, that was awesome to see him score two goals. And he was kind of quiet in the first half, but really is always showing no lack of confidence that he's going to get in the box every time and try to score. And, and frankly. I think my advice to some young players is always be ready to score because you might only get one or two chances. And this kid clearly uh, is not only trying to be in the right spots at the right time for 90 straight minutes, he's also focused enough to to finish the chances when they come his way. Manny, I know you're not on Twitter, so I'll let Cal talk about the peppy train and how he feels about it. But <laughs> But who is your most surprising player of the match last night who are you most pleasantly surprised with in that lineup in their performance in the match that you thought just you know held down the fort and did a great job yeah i i sometimes like to try to think about things a little differently or try to not maybe go with just like the, the easiest like the player played the best i i i thought for me sneakily one of the most impactful players. I mean, I, I well, I should say that first. First, I'll qualify and say I thought Brandon Aronson was awesome last night. I thought he was outstanding. His touches, he, he really provided, I think, creative ways to get into the attacking zones and, and break lines and was really uh, impactful uh, with how Jamaica had to really deal with it. He was all over the field. But sneakily, I thought Paul Ariola, uh, his energy, his effort, um, just a little bit of what we need always as, as an American country that we, we need to have that kind of fight and battle every game, no matter what we need to have the fact that we might play against sometimes opponents who are better than us, but we're always going to come with that kind of energy and effort. And then you also look at his movement. Um, it was outstanding. Even on the first goal, uh, the way he took four defenders inside to allow death to come outside of the overlap and, and then create the cross of the cross to Pepe. It, it's unnoticed, but his energy and work rate for me was outstanding last night. Yeah, I, I must admit, I'm a big fan of Paul Ariola. I, I don't necessarily think he's a first-choice national team player. He's probably third or fourth on the pecking order when you think of everybody that's available and when they're fit, the likes of Gio Reyna, Aronson, you've already mentioned. Uh, Tim Ware, I thought, made an impact when he came on last night. Uh, and sometimes we've seen Pulisic out there, haven't we? So, But it's always good to have players like that. In terms of what Kendra mentioned here, Manny, I'm going to bring this up. Kendra herself has asked me to be a bit more opinionated and controversial. So this is your fault this is awesome awesome ricardo pepe right um <laughs> I, I bought the ticket to the train for sure 
but I'm not necessarily on the front carriage as yet. And and look, what, what I said last night on social media, <laughs> which is just a torrid place, isn't it? Um, I think right now, the kid's good. He's really, really good. And he's he obviously 18 years of age. He, he has uh, goal-scoring tendencies and seems to have a real knack for goal. Um, but last night, I got a bit irritated with a couple of people on social media because the two goals that he scored, Manny, he didn't have to do much. He was completely wide open. The Jamaican backline was all over the place. It was terrible defending. Um, and I didn't think he had to do much for the goals. Um, I, I know he finished them, which is great because for far too long now, the national team has had centre-forwards that haven't been able to finish their opportunities. Um, but my big issue with it all was there were two comparisons. That, num number one, somebody compared him to Javier Hernandez to Chicharito, which I thought was... was I, 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 I don't even have the right word to describe how naive that is at this point in his career. And then the other point someone said was that he looks like he's the best centre-forward we've had in the last 30 years. And I thought, look, for goodness sake, guys... I, I, I am absolutely, as I said, I've bought the train. I've bought the, the ticket to this train. I understand. He he is a top player. I understand this. But for goodness sake, let's just calm this down. Let's just let the kid play and develop. Because you know Manny as well as anybody. There is a tendency, not just in this country, it, it seems to be across the globe, but certainly in this country at times, there is a tendency to overhype these young kids. Let's just let them play. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot to unpack there. And I, I think what you're implying is that it, it this, his story still has to be told, whether what kind of forward and, and type of forward and goal scoring forward he can be. I, I think what I would say, Cal, is some of the positives are, I thought he had a chunky first half. I thought he's kind of quiet. I thought he had some touches that were a little bit um, uh, hurt the tempo of the attack and lost. And, and what I loved about him, though, is like he didn't stop and hide anywhere in the game. He kept running. He kept being impactful. And again, I, I would say right now, particularly in the American kind of uh, forwards, uh, you, you know, Josh, Josh is similar in that. He'll keep running. He'll keep trying to get to the near post. He'll keep trying to get in the box. And I think for a young kid to do that, to understand and to be mentally strong is encouraging. Um, I will slightly disagree. And I like that we can just finish the show. I thought the first show, the first goal was, was, was challenging. He had to go back. He had to get the header down. I thought that was a harder finish than, than it looked. Uh, certainly the second one was more about time and place and just making sure you connect with the speed and tempo of the cross from Aronson. I, I agree. I mean, I, I think that the goal here for now is for us to be excited about a kid who wants to be a center forward and wants to find goals. And ultimately that mountain to find goals in pro soccer, in national team comes and goes. You climb it and think you're at the top and you'll you'll go on, on a cold streak and that'll be up to him, hopefully the people around him and hopefully the clubs and environments that he plays at to continue to evolve and develop into a great player. But yeah, it, it's definitely early days in terms of um, where he goes with what he's doing. Let's not compare him to Javier Hernandez is my point here. Like, for goodness sake, let's just let the boy play and develop into the player. I, maybe I'm being slightly harsh, Manny, in the no, sense no, you are, but I, I think have I'm to do push, much. I'll push it back at you and Kendra. Like, it's a good question. I always like to think of players that he's similar to or maybe, like, in your career you've seen. And I, I'm going to ask you guys because I can't think of somebody right now. You know, he's kind of long and gangly. And what, what type of player does he remind you of, I guess, would be a question, Cal, that would maybe be good to kind of answer. Yeah, and it is. It's a really good question because when you think of it, there's, there's nobody naturally who stands out that you think, oh, yeah, he's like this player. He's like, that's, like yeah. that player. Certainly not like Javier Hernandez. That's one thing I'll say for sure. Um, you know, I, I can see um, 
he's very different to him, but I can see tendencies and similarities to, to Brian McBride in terms of the way that he's in the air, um, his movement. Um, I could see that. Dare I say he looks like um, <laughs> he looks like a more polished Taylor Twelman. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I don't think that's necessarily a bad comparison. Now that I'm thinking about it off the top of my head, but no, no doubt. Look, as I said, by all means, I'm not being negative about the boy. I think he's a top player already. Um, my irritation is more with the media and the surrounding press and the comparisons because this has happened before. Let's just let the kid play. And I think, um, I think ultimately, if you just let him play, I wonder would a move away from the American media help him as well? I mean, it, it seems as though, look, Wolfsburg in, in, the, in Germany have, have been allegedly uh, very interested. I think it was Borussia Mönchengladbach that said, we'll do everything we can to sign him. Um, and then Ajax allegedly are, are front runners as well. So I think Ajax would be a perfect club for him, Manny, to, to move on to because they do have a tendency to develop such tremendous young players. He may very well get a game there as well, which which I was having this conversation with someone last night. It's all good to, to go to Europe, but if you're in someone's situation like Weston McKinney, for example, he's not going to get a game at Juventus at the moment. How good is it, really? You need to be playing when you're in your, your younger to mid-20s. Um, and I think certainly at Pepe's age as well, when when development is absolutely crucial at his age and the stage of his career, maybe a move to Ajax would be great. I'm not necessarily suggesting that he goes there and and maybe goes out on loan. To, maybe he goes back on loan to FC Dallas. Who knows? But I, I wonder if a move away from the American media would would help. I don't know. That's me just spitballing. Yeah, I mean, I I think um, it, it's it's this development pathway for him is. is going to be TBD. I mean, certainly he should be aspirational. He's done an outstanding job. Uh, it certainly adds some excitement to the U S national team right now, because we have a young goal scorer who uh, is just showing tons of potential and executing on that potential. Um, I would add that in the end, that's kind of what these journeys are about. They're about finding your way. And, and basically sometimes like McKenney, um, who, who we should be so proud of playing a, historically one of the best clubs in the world. Um, He's going through a tough patch, but I think he'll come out of it because I think he's still young and he's going to grow and he's going to be tough. And, you know, he's another guy I didn't mention, but he came back from some adversity from the last camp. And I thought he put in a really good, tough shift for the club in a good way. Um, Yunus Musa, I thought was smooth and, and, and fast and, and just uh, had some composure that I hadn't seen uh, for a couple of games. So again, I, I just thought overall last night was a really good, complete performance for a lot of players. Um, and we have two, center backs that I think have played well together now throughout the entire summer. And once again, last night, you know, really showed that they, that might be our best pairing on a go forward basis. We'll see. Well, and I think the, the last thing I'll say on it is just, you know, cause I know we could sit here and talk about uh, the men's national team in soccer in the United States all day long, but specifically I thought with Pepe, the more important thing was like he had opportunities and he finished them. And, and I love Jermaine Jones. That was like the most salient point I thought he made all night in his um, debut or whatever he had on the studio desk was just that, you know, you need a goal scorer that scores goals and that's what he does. Now the future is to be determined for sure. And then lastly, just, this was a result that the U S had to get and they got it and they did it. And, um, you know, the way the first half went in the officiating and how we don't have VAR, that's a whole nother discussion, how that's allowed in CONCACAF. Um, I, I don't know that boggles my mind, but ultimately I think it was the result they needed. Now they go on the road and, you know, we could spend another half hour talking about Canada getting a point at, at the Azteca last night, but we, we probably won't, we should move on, but, um, all, all good things from the U S last night. <laughs> I, I do love, that was one of my little talking points to, to just some of the staff this morning about how, could you imagine being from that tiny Caribbean country, your first 
refereeing qualified match ever. And you have to decide to whether to give a red card in 25 seconds of a game. And you have no VR to back you up. Like I, I do feel for the guy. I mean, he got it wrong, but I feel for him because that I cannot imagine 25 seconds in, you know, I said, I said to Bobby last night, I'm like, this is on CONCACAF. This isn't even on the officiating, you know, because like ultimately he made a bad, a bad decision and there will be more bad decisions going forward. It happens to the best officials, but this is on CONCACAF not to make it mandatory that every country has VAR in a world cup qualifier. Like that just, that's in my opinion, that's what I thought. And by the way, guys, I'll whisper this, but there's a a little boy over here outside of Kowalski's wearing a Minnesota United t-shirt that just walked over. So Nice. Been over here on the east side. Oh, well, well, you're going to have to get your, your pen ready to sign a signature, then, Kelly, for sure. Absolutely. Has no idea who I am. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on, shall we? Then uh, we've got a lot to digest over the course of the next half an hour or so. Um, oh, Twenty minutes or so. We'll see what Manny's schedule is like, shall we? Um, Manny, first of all, let, let's focus on on ten years ago, shall we? Take me back to the week of October twenty second, and then October 29th, twenty eleven. Um, for those of you who are perhaps new to the sport, new to the team. That was the last time silverware was hoisted here in Minnesota. The Soccer Bowl Championship, the NASL Championship in 2011, when our very own Manny Lagos was able to guide the then-named NSC Minnesota Stars to the championship over two legs, 3-1 victory at the NSC in Blaine before they went down to uh, Fort Lauderdale to play the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Uh, a nil-nil draw in that second leg meant the championship would come home to Minnesota. Uh, Manny, we're, we're going to dive deep into this one. Uh, but first and foremost, what are your instant memories from that uh, particular period of, of the club's history? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting older, so I have to make sure I remember. But one of the things is, uniquely, I think it was just Minnesota Stars at that point. Um, NSC was the year before. They took over the team for one year. And then the league took it over. Um, and then that kind of started the trajectory to uh, the growing into Minnesota United and the Dr. McGuire creating the ownership group for MLS. So um, that trajectory is what it, we're, um, is one of the things, one of the themes, I think, um, which is when Minnesota Thunder went under, uh, you had this National Sports Center saying, hey, let's make sure we try to keep this thing going. They did it for a year. The league came in and said, this is still an amazing market. We don't want to lose it so it doesn't lose its luster and we can hopefully find some owners to, to understandably, you know, put high-level soccer in Minnesota and I just felt like that like belief from inside the market but also from outside the market that this was such an important market and that to even have you know the type of people step up and kind of run it until we could find a stable owner um was kind of the specialness of everything in that in the team and the championship and um the vibe you know we we had such a cool group of guys that really understood the pioneers, the importance of, of our success on the field and the story we told uh, would make an impact. And we actually had this, this company, Brave New Media, you know, they started to do these cool videos of us and, and the fans and the Dark Cloud fans. And that's obviously part of how Wonderwall became so relevant was because they saw us singing it after a game in the locker room. They're like, hey, we want to sing that to you guys after games. And so they started singing it out there. But it, it was a great run. I mean, I, I, my favorite series, I love the finals. Obviously I love winning. I thought that the series against Carolina was unbelievable, just back and forth. I think at one point we were up three, one down in Carolina, they came back three, three, and then we had to win in a P, PK shootout, um, which I, I love that series. That was a great one. Tampa Bay 
another great series, tough, hard road win. I think Luke Mahollen got the, the, the go ahead goal and our defense was just stout for 45 minutes. Um, and then the final, you know, the, 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 the game here was chilly. It was nice to have a Florida team up here and we had the first leg, which sometimes can be a disadvantage, sometimes an advantage. And we just had a great night. Our fans were on, they were into it. We were into it. We just came out and really absorbed. They had some really good players, really good kind of, uh, I think even maybe Papa, Papa Pico stars for Houston was on the field that day. Um, and just the guys put in a great performance. Uh, I think we ended up winning three, one. Um, and it just gave us a great opportunity going down to Fort Lauderdale. Um, to close it out, which our guys defensively, we, we, we shut them down, you know, just made it, made it a non-factor game and a uh, really special time for, for those guys. And this weekend's going to be special. You know, we're going to get to honor them at the stadium. Uh, I have the pleasure of giving them a tour of the stadium. A lot of them have moved away or coming back for the weekend. So they get a tour at uh, five o'clock tomorrow and then we're gonna have a dinner and then we're going to go over and meet the dark clouds for a little bit of event Saturday night. And then Sunday at halftime, they're going to do something. So, deservingly. I think it's going to be a great special weekend for a lot of people in Minnesota. I was just going to say, man, I was going to ask you, first of all, if you, if you knew how many of those from the 2011 team were going to be back for the weekend, because everybody's lives, you know, it does get a little bit busy, but also we've talked a lot about the team in MLS now and the importance of moving on, but not away from the history of soccer in Minnesota. So how do you balance that knowing that you have been a part of it since the very beginning and then into this iteration of MLS over the last, you know, four plus years, almost, you know, five years, I guess, uh, fifth season for, for the team. How do you balance that with the group and the history of soccer and including that 2011 and, and the last time that the team listed some, or lifted some silverware? Yeah, I, th- I think my, my approach and philosophy is I balance it kind of the same way. I think how we move forward and grow this club and its brand identity and the competitiveness and trying to win championships on the field, which is, I think you, you really take the positives of the things that you did, both whether it's winning, but also the identity and culture you're trying to create an environment. And again, I think part of that is not only just on the field, which is massively important, but it is that connection to fans. I mean, I think generally when the commissioner comes up and talks about Wonderwall and the organicness of it, he's referring to these years. He's referring to these fans connecting with the players. Um, and then certainly on the field, you know, like just, figuring out what our resources are and trying to maximize them and trying to grow and build a competitive team. And, and really, again, I think there's been mistakes and there will be more mistakes. So for us to kind of learn how we build from that is massive. And in the end, um, that culture and identity of what you want your club to be, I think comes from some of what your history is and what you have in the past, the both the good stuff and the bad stuff. And ultimately I think we're in this great path now where the next three or four years is a huge opportunity for us to continue to grow this club, to create a bigger club, make create more expectations, expectations of excellence, expectations of frankly, a trophy. You know, I, I think we, we, we want our silverware in MLS and we should be hungry over the next couple of years to get that. Before we talk about the MLS iteration of this team, Manny, let's just go back again for a second, shall we? Um, Goals from Neil Flaverty, Luke Mulholland, Lucas Rodriguez on that nice, that rainy, cold night that you expressed and explained in, in Blaine were a 3-1 victory over Fort Lauderdale strikers. You, you then had to go to Fort Lauderdale for the second leg and you managed to get a 0-0 tie, which ultimately meant a 3-1 victory over two legs. How did you set up going into that second leg, Manny? Did, did you know you had to be a little more compact? Were you open to the players expressing themselves? What, what did you say to the players, if you can remember? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would start with ironic. We actually scored all four goals in the home one because I think it was Justin Davis who uh, a far post cross chested in. So for the own goal. So Justin Davis also was on the score sheet, unfortunately, for Fort Lauderdale. And that was interesting because it was 2-0 at the time. And then they scored, that was when it made it 2-1, which would have been a, a tougher result. And, and we, you know, Luke Mulholland scored a late, great goal volley. Um, you know, obviously Luke went on to star in MLS for years uh, and a great goal. So that gave us 3-1. And I think what I'm, I'm alluding to Cal is that that really set a tone for how Fort Lauderdale's heads went down and then how they approached that game. And I think how we felt that was important for us to say, you're not going to have a sniff. And, and really most of our identity was making sure we are good and organized defensively. We were tough to break down. Um, and then we would go forward from there. So the preparation that week really lifted our spirits because it was a lot of work on what we were going to do that game, which was to make sure we were closed, we were tight, we were compact. We weren't going to like allow the game to open up at all. Um, and I, I've never been more proud of a, a team going to a game plan. Um, I, I mean, they maybe had one shot on goal for a championship game away from home. Um, so it was really an impressive performance by the guys. When you speak of that real quick, Manny, and, and you're talking about them not getting a sniff and going on the road and locking this thing down, was it when you, when you speak specifically of your shape, did you sit back? Was it a defense or, or were you just your mentality was they're not going to get a goal? You know, because we, we talk about how to play on the, on the road, how to play at home when, you, you know, clearly with an aggregate and, and a two game series like that, it, it can be even different. How, what was the mentality of the group? Did you still go forward? Did you still attack or was it more just lock it down defensively? No, no, we didn't, we didn't make an ugly game of it. We, we played a game. I mean, shape and defensive work really starts with how you play offensively and how you move the ball, how you make decisions going forward, how you very quickly recover into a shape once you lose the ball. And really you, you're not sitting at the 18, just defending for 90 minutes. It means that you're shifting, you're closing, you're pressing at the right times. You're, you're making sure that your team is, is thinking about always being in the right position and always making good decisions, always close. So we, we, we actually had more of the chances in the game that night. So really, again, a lot of it has to do with making sure your team feels like every moment for 90 minutes, mentally and physically, they're in the positions to defend and to close down together. Um, as a group. And, and they really embraced that. And again, like I said, it, we never really got opened up in that game because I think those guys, like right when that third goal went in, this wasn't something we just worked on that week. All year, when we really were hungry to defend, they were very good at it and, and really embraced it. Okay. Well, again, we could sit here and talk about this for, for <laughs> hours and, and maybe we should at some stage, maybe we'll have a conversation about this in, in particular, but let's move on, shall we? That, that, as we said before, was the last time silverware came to Minnesota United. Um, the hunt goes on and we're now learning, Manny, that that hunt may have become just a little bit easier with the rescinding of a red card for Emmanuel Reynoso um, for this forthcoming game against Colorado Rapids on Sunday, which, I mean, we, we seem to have said this on every podcast, but it, it is, it is the biggest game of the season. It really is. Um, Reynoso being available, that that's huge for Minnesota United. Um, first and foremost, uh, look, I, I think I, I might have said this on the other podcast on Sound of the Loons, but again, I'll reiterate, ridiculous red card, never a red card, it never should be a red card. And I'm surprised that it's been overturned because I, I thought the powers that be would back the officials. Having said that, they realise the officials have gotten it wrong. Reynoso available this weekend. Manny, how does that change things for Minnesota United against Colorado? 
Yeah, uh, first, just because of a fun fact that this we made history in the league because this is the first time two opponents coming up had red cards that were overturned against each other uh, to play a game because Colorado as well appealed the red card and won their appeal uh, for their left back uh, on a, ch- a challenge against Sao Paulo. So, um, I, I like I said, I, I'm just pleased the league, you know, uh, we went through a process of the appeal and we worked very hard on it. And I think um, they came to the correct decision. You know, I, I think they missed one that weekend and ironically they missed it twice. Cause I think VAR really missed it, but ultimately it's huge for us. You know, I, I think, um, you know, obviously we have some guys out for international duty um, Colorado as well, but, but Ray really has, you know, come back and given us a, a little bit of life here. And, and really when he's on the field, he, he does so much with his touches, with his vision, uh, with with his just is is his, his overarching personality where he is, we're a better team, and we know that. Um, again, I still believe if he hadn't been on, we would have accepted and and found a way to battle. Uh, but certainly with him here, uh, it's exciting for us to have him on the field for such a big game. When we talk about the next game really being the most important game, because it seems like at this stretch of the season, it, it really is coming down to that fact, whether it's at home or on the road, and regardless of who the opponent is, even if. You know, you have Philadelphia coming up here not too long from now at home. It's an Eastern Conference opponent, but another three points that are going to be necessary. When you look at this upcoming schedule and the way the Western Conference has has been shaking out, what surprises you about the way the West has shook out? What what surprises you about where Minnesota sits in, in the seventh position currently and, and how tight that is? What What's the most surprising thing for you as you sit back and watch every game? Well, appropriately at the timing of this podcast, Colorado probably is one of the biggest surprises in the West this year. And Robin Frazier's done a good, great job. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, they're in every game. They play tough every game. Uh, they they dropped their last game in Seattle, which is a tough place to play, as we well know very well. Um, and they've hit a lot of ties, but they've competed. Um, so we we I I think that probably has been a surprise for most people from the beginning of the season to now. Um, I, I think for us, you know, these seven games, four home, three away are, are really important to show what, where we are from the beginning of the year to the end. You know, again, we, we had a really tough start and, you know, we had some good stretches, but it, it's been inconsistent. There's no doubt, you know, but it's been good at times. So ultimately we have an opportunity to kind of tell this last chapter and gain some momentum going to playoffs, hopefully. Um, and I really hope and believe we will uh, embrace that challenge and, and really build on, you know, maybe a little bit more of a, a tougher road identity uh, for these last three games and continue, I think, uh, a, a good home results. Um, and, and certainly that involves our players stepping on the field and, and doing well, but it also involves awesomely, you know, great fan base showing up and supporting us and really pushing us to, to continue to try to strive for three points at home. What of Colorado then? Manny, I know you know Robin Frazier from various past endeavors, but yeah. what a job he's done at Colorado and and how has he done it? Because the roster hasn't changed that much. Yeah, great job. Um, I have former teammates with Robin and our, our, we have one kids that are the same age and really connect on that level. But um, I, I just think he has uh, really got those guys in that group believing individually in each other and collectively. Um, you know, he's got a good American base, young players, uh, probably the best collection of good young American players maybe in the league right now. Um, and he's gotten some veterans that, you know, came here and were struggling a little bit. And he seemed to say, Hey, you know, uh, I think you're good players and you can be impactful in this league. And they have been. So um, 
you know, credit to him. Really, really, like I said, he, he's done a really good job. And this is a, that's why this is such a big game because it's a tough game because this is a team that has competed against every team in the league, every single outing. Um, so with that in mind, um, and we've had, we've had some interesting games against Colorado over the years. So there's no doubt, um, there's an edginess with us, with Colorado in general as well. So hopefully, uh, you know, that this Sunday that comes out in a positive way for us. You use the word edginess. It does feel, man, as if there is going to be a certain edge about this game. It feels like it's going to be tight and tense. This isn't going to be a, a, a three nil game. This is going to be a one nil two one type game, isn't it? Well, I, I never like to predict scores. I, I I just know that there's going to be some serious adversity that we're going to have to overcome. There's going to be some serious stress, you know, on our team to to perform and get results, and and not I always say not in a bad way. I mean, I think that's what this is about. I think the 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 challenges we're facing are are important for us to to resolve and get three points so we can become a better team, a better group, a better club. Wonderful. Uh, finally, before we let you go, Manny, really appreciate the time. We, we tend to ask this of the majority of guests that come on this podcast, and, and since you're associated with Minnesota United, obviously, um, what do you view as a good season this year for Minnesota United? Where, where can they finish and you can tick the box and say, yeah, OK, that we, we define that as success? I mean, I, I still think ultimate success is silverware. You know, again, I I think our expectation is that we want to grow into a championship team. We were in the Western conference finals last year. Um, you know, we can create some momentum and see where the playoffs go this year. If we believe, and we, we really embrace, um, you know, our strengths and qualities, and there's a ton of them out there. Um, unfortunately there's been some inconsistent side of it too, that we have to hone up and make sure we're really focused on finishing strong. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I think there's a, a, a weirdness about this year, like all things about how many times we played certain teams and COVID and travel still that I, I don't want to make excuses because I think that's the adversity of, of what Columbus did and they credit to them. Um, and so I, I would say with all of that context, um, it's just really important that we feel like we're moving in the direction of what this club has been doing for the last three or four years, because it's been incredibly special. Um, and we have to continue to expect and want, and hopefully our fans continue to expect and want that what we've done is great and we should feel good, but it's not good enough. You know, we deserve to have trophies in that stadium, which is the best in the country. And we all should have a mentality that should be our ultimate goal. Manny, we could talk for hours. Much appreciated. Thank you so much for the time. Really, really appreciate it. A big thank you to our special guest, Manny Lagos, as always to Kindred E. St. Auburn, our producer, Tyson Hill as well. And of course, uh, to you at home for listening as well. All eyes now focusing on Sunday afternoon for the biggest game of the season as Minnesota United hosts Colorado Rapids. From all of us here, we'll see you then. <laughs>